Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. Today on the show, I have uh, my friend Anna Goldstein. She is a she's the outreach and teen philanthropy coordinator for the Milwaukee Jewish Federation. She just graduated from the Emerge program, which uh, is designed to uh, help uh, women uh, become uh, elected leaders for elected, the Democratic Party. Thank you. Thank yes. you for finishing me. Yeah, it's it's a mouthful. But uh, Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. How is your day going so far? Oh, it's going pretty good. I'm appreciating the milder temperatures of mm. sun. <laughs> I agree. Yes. Yeah, my room definitely cooled down. Yeah, I don't. I can have the windows open. Don't need the air. Yeah. Room, so save save some electric money. Right. <laughs> save yeah. Earth. Yeah. Too. No, totally. Yeah. Like, I went to bed last night when uh, the the fan was still on, blaring. You know, because that's how I fell asleep. And I wake up and it's like, wow, I like don't fucking need this fan right now. It's like actually really nice. <laughs> and it's like, a, it's like a yeah. perfect, like mild summer day today. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy. No complaints. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Well, I haven't seen you in a long time. Yeah. Uh, I feel I'm, like I've run into you randomly at like 88, 9 right. stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, the, yeah. Yeah. That was like the last time. I, yeah. That was like back in November, but seems like a really long time ago. <laughs> yeah, it fucking was though. But um, yeah, uh, I'm excited to catch up and hear a little bit about what you do um, these days. So what we talk about in Mr. Nice Guy, we examine love and fear through our passionate and creative minds. And, um, you know, we, we've known each other for a long time because, you know, we were uh, involved in uh, Hillel, Milwaukee. Shout out Hillel. <laughs> and uh, we were part of the, you know, we... we we're part of the Jewish student life. I know you went to Marquette. I went to UWM, but you know we that didn't we stop still us. Got from, along. Yeah, we went to our uh, Chabad Shabbaton in New York City. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. We had a little night on the town, uh, and that was um, New York City. Yeah, man, those subways, <laughs> those subway tunnels, man. <laughs> they bring out the weird in people. Yeah, they do. <laughs> but um, so, needless to say, you know we've, uh, you know we've, like. Um, had plenty of experience like in the Jewish communities on like in college together and uh you used to do the uh um the services at Shabbat yes I was unofficial Rabbi Anna mm -hmm. I, I played and sang and yep and got people to do Shabbat. Yes, and you did. I liked being in charge because then I got to control how long the service was. But, but yeah, no, it's, <laughs> that way it no. wasn't too long. It wasn't over thirty minutes, and right. we had all the good songs and oh my all God, that. Yeah, yeah there, there were some bops. Definitely, yeah. we got down. I do miss it sometimes. I need to hit a. I need to crash Shabbat sometime. Yeah. If you want to join me. Maybe we'll get an alumni group together. Yeah. I'm sure they'd love that. Yeah, I'm sure they would too. So, um, so anyway, so I guess like so you're also. Similar to me, you're from the Chicago area, grew up in the Jewish community. Um, so I guess like to start, um, I want to hear about like what your job entails with Milwaukee Jewish Federation. Like what exactly uh, do you do? Yeah, so um, my job kind of spans actually a lot of things um, for the Milwaukee Jewish Federation, which I love, but it's also sometimes hard to mm -hmm. juggle all of it, but um, every day is different and it's never boring, so mm -hmm. I really love that. But um, specifically, I run six outreach programs for the Milwaukee Jewish Federation. Um, so I run Shalom Milwaukee, which um, I welcome newcomers to the mm -hmm. Milwaukee area. And so similar to kind of what you're doing now, I meet up for coffee or a drink or something. Thing and we or just, water and red or solo water cups. To look really cool. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah. You know, gotta stay hydrated. But yeah, so we'll just meet up and I will just get get to know them and kind of see where where they come from. And some of these people are also recent college graduates, like like you, for example, who didn't grow up here, but maybe went to school here, but now have graduated and have decided to make a life in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And so just wanting to get those people involved, getting to know what they were previously involved with, what they'd like to be involved with before or now. And um, we do a, 
um, some programming for that. So our most um, upcoming program is going to be next weekend. We're going to do a sculpture tour of the sculptures down on Wisconsin Avenue. So I'm pretty excited for that because I've actually Fun. wanted to do this for the past two years since the sculptures have been here and since I started my job. Yeah. That's finally happening. So nice. it'll just be a good way for other newcomers to connect with each other and also kind of connect with their city and mm -hmm. obviously enjoy the warm weather while we have it. Um, I also run Shalom Baby. Um, oh, so. Cool. So it's a program that basically when a Jewish family in the area has a baby, I bring them a welcome gift, uh -huh. um, which is like a stuffed animal and some birth speeds baby shampoo. Oh, adorable. Love yeah, it. and so I get to like hang out with babies. It's nice. pretty fun. And so then we also do monthly meetups for them. And so um, older siblings are also welcome. And it's just a great opportunity for um, parents to meet each other in mm -hmm. a re really like casual setting and just talk about you know what it's like to raise a baby yeah. and there's newer parents and there's parents who have multiple kids already um, and then I'm also there just as a resource if they're looking into Jewish preschool or they're thinking about different Jewish education options uh, for their kids and so I'm kind of there as that like source to help them uh, guide that. Mm -hmm. um, I also run J Pride, uh, which is our Jewish LGBT outreach program, nice. um, which is super fun. And I'm part of a group of queer and allied faith leaders across mm -hmm. Milwaukee. And so they're all different uh, queer affirming faith groups. And we work together. We uh, host a booth together every year at Pride Fest. Mm -hmm. And so we have, we've developed what's now called a blessing booth, where all these different faith leaders, we have different shifts. I usually just serve as a volunteer to help get people into the booth um, and they offer blessings over whatever they might need it and it's like a very emotionally and beautiful experience because some of these people have not have been very shunned from their religion or some shunned from their church yeah. or whatever faith they might have grown up in and then to see that there are people people of God people of faith that are accepting and saying that they love them it's like it, it's just beautiful yeah. and so um, so we do that every year and we actually just started with um, um, the conservative synagogue in Milwaukee uh, congregation Beth Israel near Tamid uh, their new rabbi uh, who got hired on last year he's a single gay dad of two um, of twins they're so cute oh, that's awesome. um, and so we partnered with him um, to do a Stonewall Seder along with a Lutheran congregation, mm -hmm. um, which commemorated the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots, and it was in the style of a Jewish Passover Seder. We mm -hmm. didn't eat masa, but we, <laughs> but it was similar that we had different um, items and symbolic foods yeah. and symbolic elements yeah. that. Um, that kind of represented the struggles of the LGBT community. Mm -hmm. um, I also run One Happy Camper, which is our camper grant incentive program. So I help oh. families uh, figure out what a Jewish summer camp might be the best for them. Both, um, and so, and we help give grants uh, to families for overnight camp because it's really expensive. Yeah, <laughs> so right. we want to make it as accessible as possible. Um, and then I also, like I'm, like part of my job title, um, what I was hired to build at the Federation was the Teen Philanthropy Board. And so I manage a board of 25 or so teenagers from across the Jewish community, all different varying of um, religious um, involvement. So we have Orthodox students, we have students who grew up in the conservative movement, reform movement, or just really are... Uh, um, practicing their Judaism secularly. Mm -hmm. And so the teens, uh, we, we teach them all about nonprofits and, uh, fun, um, and kind of analyzing um, requests for proposals and applications, and they get to decide how to allocate $18,000 to local nonprofits. And it's like an amazing experience. We, we first introduced site visits this year, so the teens actually got to go see the sites um, before they made their decisions. and. I think like it actually made the decision making harder because it was just so cool to see all the great work that's happening in Milwaukee and mm -hmm. so it's pretty awesome to have like an influence on the next generation yeah. of leaders um, and yeah it's teenagers are fun yeah, <laughs> they're cool. also like I feel like I'm not that far away from being a teenager but also when I'm with the teenagers I'm like oh my gosh I'm yeah. like so much older than you. <laughs> Um, it's and weird, then it, like what yeah. the fuck, we're in our 20s. I know, know? I'm like, I, I like feel young, so, yeah, so, so but just not like a teenager, mm -hmm. which, which is a good thing. And then I also just help um, manage our general young adult programming, um, so just 
really trying to get everyone and anyone involved yeah. and coming up with new things constantly. Like we're having new like Jews of the West program. <laughs> so we have okay. Jews living out in Wauwatosa, Waukesha, oh. Brookfield, areas that- Jews that go to Carroll University. Yeah. Um, you know, areas that Jewish people didn't usually used to populate, but actually now there's a lot of them because there's a lot of great industry out there. There's medical college, so we have a lot of students there or doctors. Um, you know, it's where uh, Kohl's is located and Milwaukee Tool and like a bunch of other kind of big industry type of things. And so people are opting to, to live out there. And so um, I think it's really important to not only expect people to like come to you for Jewish programming, but like bringing that Judaism to them yeah, because right. um, it's just a lot easier to engage that way. So that is a general gist of my job. It's wow. a lot, but mostly I like to say I like I'm a person that just gets people, connects with people and gets them involved and I try my best to plan fun programming and yeah. for for every type of Jew out there. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Rabbi Anna is a, yeah. <laughs> is a well, well-oiled machine. You're, you're doing yeah, it's you're, a lot of organization. My you are doing a lot, yeah. My calendar looks like Skittles spilled oh, all over nice. it with different colors and activities yeah. and yeah. yeah Everything's like color coded and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's, right. But it's good. It's it's how I operate. Other people look at my calendar like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> but I understand how it works, so that's all that matters. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Like I feel like that's how I feel when I show people like the lists in my phone of like my list of episodes that I still have to do and they're like, Jesus Christ, like you're fucking crazy. And I'm like, well, I mean, I just, doesn't really seem like that much to me. A lot of no. times I feel like I'm not doing that It's much. all relative. Right. It's all, I know I'll have weeks and I'm like, am I not like, like something's off or something, but it's just like, yeah. But, but then I have other weeks where I just am nonstop. And so yeah. it, it ebbs and flows and right. um, yeah, it's, it's, really I love the organization that I work for um, we're the main fundraising arm of the Jewish community and so mm -hmm. um, I I love that we kind of are supporting everything that's happening in the Jewish community because yeah. um, I feel like I have my feet and my toes like in a lot of different like types of Judaism mm -hmm. and types of Jewish involvement and so I still get to kind of do that and that's what I feel like the future of the Jewish community is gonna let, yeah. look like um, we all kind of have to work together and like stick together yeah. and um, you know, the more the merrier, and um, it's good to have options. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, you are doing God's work, like quite literally and figuratively, uh, when it comes to how how well-rounded you are in the Jewish community and doing like community engagement and stuff like that. Because I mean, that is those are all amazing initiatives, um, especially like you know, uplifting um, Jewish youth. Um, you know, people that are um, of the LGBTQ plus community within the Jewish community, like, you know, LGBTQ plus, uh, conversations within like faith and within religious based organizations is often, it can be intimidating and it can also, I feel like it's the idea of like religion and that, and that like intertwining, I feel like it scares a lot of people away. Cause they're like, Oh, like, I don't feel like I'm going to get accepted, but that's awesome yeah. that you are having that, um, that you are giving that, like, inclusivity to those that identify with the LGBTQ plus community, but also allowing them to be Jewish, you yeah. know, like, that's really important. Yeah, no, it's been pretty amazing. So we did our first, uh, so we have this initiative called SHOFAR, which stands for Safeguarding Healthy Families and Relationships. Uh, back uh, last November, we brought in Allie Raceman to do our kickoff event to really focus on the fact that you know, sexual assault and um, rape and things like that do happen, and like domestic violence do happen in our community. Yeah. Um, and, we, and we can't just be like, that doesn't happen here. It does. And so we, I launched uh, two Shamor Lamor uh, Shabbat dinners, one for women and one for the LGBT community about safe and healthy relationships. And it was just, it was amazing because um, I, I like learned things that I never even thought of that like, actually like there is a lot of domestic violence in the LGBT community mm -hmm. because uh, when it's like same sex or same gender, 
it you know it's not as taboo for like a man to hit a man or a woman to hit a woman as opposed to a a mixed gender situation um and so just certain things like that i and then and then i learned so much about like the intersections of being jewish and being lgbtq like just hearing people's kind of um like stream of thoughts and like them sharing their um their experiences is like they want you know they they're they want to have lgbtq relationship and so like in Milwaukee as a whole like that's only a slice of the pie and then if you take the slice of the pie that's also Jewish and LGBTQ like that's even tinier Mm -hmm. and so um it it gave me like a lot of empathy and like I think so I I didn't end up coming out until I actually started this job um I kind of I knew I was bisexual in college um but I always had a boyfriend and I was like there's not really any reason to come out I was kind of like this isn't anyone's business and um you know like ideally that's how it should be just like you should be able to date or be with whoever you want and it's not a non-issue um but i decided once i got this job that i did want to take a more active stance um on my identity and Mm -hmm. my sexuality and um so my it was um actually like the first thing i did was part of my job i got hired in uh june of or i started my job in june of 2017 right after i graduated from marquette and um that was like the first thing i jumped into because it was pride month and pride fest and it was just so much fun Mm -hmm. and just like being part of that community being welcomed in that community um was just amazing and um yeah i just i think it's so yeah so amazing the intersections and there's still so i have so much more to learn about (laughs) about all of it and i just want to hear like anecdotally from people their experiences and help them feel included and like they have the resources that they need to live their best lives here yeah right yes uh um live their best lives yes It's a very common uh, Instagram caption, but it is is it very yeah, but it but it is very applicable because yes. like in essence, it just means like you know being just living without feeling like they're holding something back yeah, or that living they, without limitations. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, I like to think I'm living my best life right here at this table. Um, so I think a big um, conversation that we have within our Jewish community is just, you know, we have to, I I think that, um, you know, we, we spread education and awareness about the prevalence of anti-Semitism, both within our own communities and, you know, the world at large. Um, I still think it's a very overlooked topic. Um, I don't see, like, I mean, I, I personally, like, I see a lot of like whether it's just simp- like whether it's microaggressions whether it's just anti-semitic tropes whether it's active violence that's you know perpetuated against jews and jewish communities like um there was another synagogue shooting recently yeah, I saw that. yeah. yeah. um there's still like there's a rise there's the rise of the alt-right where you know there's been you know a resurgence of you know the there's been a platforming of people that espouse hateful beliefs about Jews and as well as many other marginalized groups, you know, that, you know, are at large thanks to social media and, you know, the rise of, you know, the voices. So my point being, you know, we, we have to, we talk a lot about how we are going to bring the conversation about anti-Semitism to a much larger um, scale and I think that especially because you are so involved in the Jewish community but you're also involved in you know women's empowerment you're involved in LGBTQ plus uh, rights and issues you are you know you are part of a you just graduated from emerge and talking and we're talking about you know women in the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like, you're obviously these are things that you're actively working towards every day. So your Jewishness is a big part of your identity and it's it's a conscious part of, you know, everything you stand for. So I guess like, as we go into this, I want to know, like, I guess, like how you grew up, like with your own experience in the Jewish community, like if you, like, I guess, if any, like if you had any direct experience with anti-Semitism, you know, that you experienced, like, Growing up, you know, through college, through your education, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, so it's really interesting that you bring this up because I actually just last Wednesday was invited to speak at this parlor meeting um, from one of our leaders in the community. Um, he wants to create an intergenerational conversation on anti-Semitism. So we had people there in their 80s, we had people there in their 40s and 50s, wow. and then a couple of 20-somethings were invited. Oh, and wide range. He, and I'm going to invite you oh, great. to the next one, so we'll, we'll talk. I have the dates on my calendar because yes, he wants other young people to come. Awesome. But um, something that I kind of was reflecting on as we were talking about this over breakfast um, last week was that something that I think is different nowadays with anti-Semitism is that I've experienced it probably from like three different like camps of like anti-Semitic beliefs mm -hmm. and so I'd say the first camp is like the traditional um, kind of like alt-right um, white supremacist like neo-nazi Neo kind of thing and, yeah. I'll, and I'll explain that experience in a second one was or like I've experienced more than one in each of these categories but I'll explain the categories first um, the, the second category is just straight-up ignorance yeah. like people who just like either choose not to learn or like choose not to relay the facts and mm -hmm. it's coming from a place that like like they're trying they think it's coming from a place of love but it's not yeah. and then third is actually from the left as well yeah. um, and so um, an experience that I had of like the alt-right so I I grew up in a very Jewish town in Buffalo Grove um, until I was in fifth grade um, when my family moved just 20 minutes away to Lake Zurich area mm -hmm. which is where I went to high school and um, I'd say this was probably my first, like, very out there experience of anti-Semitism. Um, I was sitting at lunch with my friends, um, and I, I think I was a sophomore or freshman in high school, and some kid who I knew from my neighborhood but, like, didn't know very well came up to me and asked me if I had any money for the vending machine. And at the time, like, I never carried around a wallet. I didn't have an ID. I didn't have a credit yeah. card. Like, what the heck do I need a wallet for? And so I told him, I know I didn't have any money. And so then he proceeded to start throwing pennies at me and calling me a dirty and cheap Jew. And I think my biggest takeaway from that experience was so I, my friends didn't do anything. My friends, so I was like one of probably five Jews at the school and I was probably one of the only very involved Jewish people who belonged to synagogue. And my friend just sat and did nothing. And I like ran to the bathroom, I was crying. Like, it was not good. I did, obviously did not feel good about yeah. it and um yeah and i think that was like what hurt more was that like okay this kid was being an asshole this kid was stupid like I, you know i can push him out of my mind but like that my friends didn't do anything and like you know i don't know if it was they didn't know what to do mm -hmm. didn't know how to do something but i hope that something that like happens more now is like you know i'm very about like you know not being just a bystander and yeah. doing something and saying something and I know that I've had experiences where you know like I grew up doing theater and people would say like that's so gay or just like yeah. say microaggression type of things and I know I didn't say something every single time that came up but like like now looking back I'm like okay like, this is so important because yeah. like if the if my friends had just been like what are you doing like this is not okay like it it would have meant a lot yeah. um so that's an experience that I had with kind of like the the right um, experience that I had with kind of the middle of the, the, the really the ignorance was um, so I went to Marquette University which is a Catholic um, college, Catholic University mm -hmm. and overall I had a really welcoming experience there obviously it was like a little awkward that there was a crucifix in every room yeah and um, and for the most part everyone was and like what I liked about it was that people were very religious, people were Catholic, and so they really did appreciate that I was coming from as a person of faith, yeah. and they wanted to learn from me. Um, but I had this one experience with a group that um, is a well-known evangelical kind of group that really tries to convert people, mm -hmm. and they invited me and a couple of students from different religious organizations, like the Lutheran group and other, you know, maybe some more like liberal-leaning um, Christian groups and they invited me to this networking event and I was a little skeptical because I knew this organization and I kind of knew their their whole thing mm -hmm. and so I specifically asked I said what what is the nature of this event they're like it's just networking like it's not very it's not religious like we're just trying to get leaders mm -hmm. in the in Marquette together yeah. And so I go to this thing, and at first it's just networking because, like, in college I said yes to every single opportunity. Right. I Same. never yeah. said no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which same. now I've learned how to say no sometimes. Yeah. It's and um, 
And so I went, you know, the first part is networking, and then we sit down for dinner. And they're bringing up speakers, and, you know, I'm kind of getting this vibe that, like, you know, the speakers are talking about something bad that happened in their life, but then they found God, and it was okay, but it was all very general, like, yeah. talking about right. God, and, you know, I was like, okay, whatever, this is fine. But we get to the last speaker, and basically his message is that all of us right now are currently sinners because we don't, we aren't taking Jesus into our heart, and that that sorry if you don't want to go to hell you need to take Jesus into your heart right now and they start like passing around booklets and like doing the, like this whole thing of basically like encouraging people to convert or like you know take take Jesus in a different way and you know in their right. kind of way and I just I just ran out I was like I can't like I don't have time for this right yeah, now right. and you know I think it was I was most hurt because I did ask what the nature of the event was and I felt tricked I also felt targeted. I felt like they they had a purpose in inviting me to this event to con like to convert me. And I really like I do not like you know people can be religious in their own right, but I do not want to be converted. Like that's something yeah. that Jews like don't do. It's not like we don't go out right. and try to convert people. And so it is definitely not my thing. But something good that did come out of it was that. Um, some of the Lutheran students who I was friends with and they, I knew from being a leader in the in the faith communities, they took it upon themselves to write a letter to the president mm -hmm. and explain the situation and how like how like they just felt so bad for me and I was like, well, I also feel bad for you guys because like obviously yeah. this isn't your kind of way of pra practicing Christianity, and so they ended like it, we ended up having a conversation about it and like I don't know like they apologized but. Um, yeah, I just wish like they wouldn't have lied in the first place, and yeah. like to like the event was right, just kind yeah. of weird. But which I, I've I've seen that kind of in groups like that, like nothing against faith-based groups, yeah. but like experiences I've had with like um, with like some Christian groups mm -hmm. that like especially ones that try to recruit in like yeah, the student like union. Yeah. It's so, like I know what their agenda is. Yeah, and so I avoid it. Yeah. And but this one I clearly didn't avoid, and um, yeah. so yeah. And then the last kind of um, experience of anti-Semitism that I've had um, is from the left, and um, that has always been a really tricky one for me to yeah. balance because I'm a very liberal and progressive person, and like I'm. And and my views of Israel are very like two-state solution, like mm -hmm. they're progressive, like I yeah. want. I, all I want is peace there. And there's nothing and, wrong with that. And so an experience that I had then was there was this professor at Marquette and he was a professor of the, uh, philosophy and he, because I was like the president of the Jewish Student Union, my, my information, my contact information, at least my school email was public so people could know how to get in touch with me. Mm -hmm. And so he decided to email me his his writings and his website because he wanted to have a conversation about the fact that all the Jews in Israel are Nazis and they're ethnically cleansing the Palestinians and they're doing like something worse than the Holocaust and this like genocide of people. And I, I never met this guy, never met this professor, but like it just was very like targeted at me and he wanted oh, to meet with us and like I dealt, I you know I dealt with the the dean about just like how this is not okay and how this type of language is so like offensive and also so deeply wrong, and I also found out from a friend who was in his class that like he asked this question on his final, um, that was like prove how Israel is like doing another genocide to the Palestinians. So we didn't even like leave room for interpretation of like please like talk about the ethics or the philosophical elements of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And my whole issue was like I didn't like I didn't want to ever really do too much with like Israel-Palestine stuff. Like I wanted to practice Judaism yeah, and, right. and do that because that's what I was comfortable with. But because at Marquette they're like the Jew, it was always defaulted for the Jewish people to like take care of the Israel. Be stuff. associated and since, with. And Israel. since we were such a small group already, of like we only had fifty undergraduate Jews, like it put a lot more work on our yeah. on ourselves. But like we did really good. We we were really um, good about bringing in speakers when we did bring in speakers. Like we brought in Dr. Tim Crane, and he is he's a Catholic man. He's a Catholic professor, and he really focuses on just the history, like the straight up facts of the Israel Palestinian conflict. And like literally, what I learned is it's like all the British 
all, it's all the Brit- British people's fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the British government, like, caused That's kind of what, yeah. Well, like, I think they caused I, a lot of problems, but yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was the British. They, like, they, like, mess it up. They're like, here, we promise you this land, and then they're like, oh, actually, we promised you this land, yeah, and then they're like, right. oh, you guys are fighting now? Okay, well, better time to, like, yeah. walk away. And so... Like, we really did do a lot to, like, bring in very, like, neutral sources or, you know, like, people who weren't, like, trying to be totally one-sided. And so, like, it was just really frustrating whenever, like, we dealt with that. And we also, I'm sure you remember, we dealt with having BDS on campus, Mm -hmm. uh, boycott, divestment, and sanctions, which, um, you know, I think I've come to to the conclusion that, like, I, if people want to socially invest, socially, responsibly socially responsibly invest or divest in things go ahead and do that but when it's just targeted against israel there's like a clear underlying reason for that and um you know i don't think everything anti-israel is anti-semitism but i think a lot of the feelings like the ones i experience are clearly like there's some issues with the fact that like these people are Jewish or like this yeah. is a Jewish homeland or the state or whatever. So those are three examples. And I, luckily I, I really haven't had any like experiences since college with anti-Semitism. And I think it's interesting because, um, you know, when I went to the school, high school or like the middle school and the high school where there wasn't a lot of Jews and then I went to Marquette, you know, like I did have to deal with a lot like harder issues but I think I really learned and grew from all of them and I don't think mm-hmm. I would be in this job today or who I am today or like the leader I am today if I didn't have those experiences yeah. because um yeah I, I don't think I would have found it as important as yeah. I as I know it is and mm-hmm. so um not that I want people to experience anti-semitism at all but it's important to realize that like it does still exist and um and it is important to be aware of. And I think that um, sometimes like that, those kind of, kind of microaggressions can get buried under, um, you know, the, the myriad of other terrible things that are happening yeah. in our world. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, no, well, thank you for sharing yeah. that. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. And like, I definitely like, like all the avenues that you mentioned are you know, prevalent conversations to have. And especially, like, I want to touch on uh, your, your the final one, like, where the anti-Semitism comes from the left. I don't... So, like, I've, like, kind of uh, struggled with this one a lot in the last couple of years as well. Because, like, I mean, in college, like, I was a lot more pro-Israel than I am now. Like, now it's more, I just want peace. And there's a lot of things that Israel does that I don't agree with. Um, I sympathize a lot with the the plight of the Palestinians, you know, I don't support the West Bank occupation or the settlements, like, I, like, so I've come a long way in my own understanding that, like, not, like, criticism of Israel is not by any means anti-Semitism, I think, but, but a key thing you also touched on, especially when you were speaking about the BDS movement, is that, like, when it's only singling out Israel when there's all their human rights violations occurring in other countries to the same or greater degree than that with Israel, you know, then it's like, it, it can easily, it can be like, uh, stir some feelings of like, we're being targeted, like Jews or Israelis are being like targeted and singled out. And like, and this is an important thing because like, kind of what you were saying with like your professor, for one, that's so fucked up that he did that. Like he wasn't even my professor. I had never met him. <laughs> so I know. I'm just it just—it's so fucked up that like that happened, because, for one, like you said, we are, like always assumed. We actually just made a Facebook status about this the other day. Like we are always like as Jews, we are, con- like we are always sort of like, un- like assumed to be, like, constantly coming to Israel's defense, that we're, like, unconditionally supporting Israel, that, like, all Jewish Jews, like, with their Jewish identity is, like, bound to Israel. And, I mean, there's a lot of Jews that don't, that Israel's not a part of their Jewish identity. And they don't... It is a part, it's like, 
like 1% of how yeah. many percent of right and even if, yeah and even if even if Jews do have a con have a connection to Israel it doesn't automatically endorse their their uh, it doesn't endorse Netanyahu and his administration and I mean just like we're Americans yeah and maybe maybe a lot of us don't agree with Trump right well that's what I'm saying and it's like we're like and that's a struggle I've had like with my own trying to expand the conversation about like anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism and mm -hmm. whatever because like because like it it's it, it is hard because a lot of people don't seem to separate Israel from Judaism or from Jewish individuals mm -hmm. and like that has made it I've seen it very I've seen it hard for Jews to enter like intersectional groups because of it where it's like oh you like you're Jewish like the question is always, oh, well, what are your thoughts on Israel, yeah. you know? Like, that shouldn't be the first question that's asked yeah, if you're a Jew. It shouldn't be like a screening process. Right, exactly. Like, it's like, uh, I, need to, I need to know you meet the criteria to be in this, to be in this circle. And another example is what happened with the, the dyke march at, in mm -hmm. D.C. with the Jewish pride flags. Like, it was like they didn't allow, like, the Jewish rainbow, the, the flag with the rainbow... Yeah. Um, with the Star of David in the middle, um, they weren't allowing those flags because it was a, it was too close to like a symbol of nationalism. But they were allowing Palestinian flags, mm -hmm. and I understand that there's intersectionality with like Palestinians and and like with you know various other marginalized groups. But for one, if we're talking about nationalist flags, then there shouldn't be flags of any countries. Period. Mm -hmm. Two. Palestinian government isn't necessarily friendly to LGBTQ plus rights either. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you have more rights as an LGBTQ plus member in Israel than you do in Palestine. Mm -hmm. So that's where it's just like, I feel like it's, that's where it, it can very easily be read as deliberate. Yeah. Because like, I don't like, you know, I have, and it's something that a lot of us Jews have also had to sort of unlearn and challenge is that is the unconditional like allegiance and like mm -hmm. blind nationalism with Israel. Something that I've had to undo for years now. Yeah. Like, I mean, like you, I, I think a two-state solution is probably the most feasible and ethical way to solve the conflict, but it's not going to happen anytime no. soon. It and it's also, right, it's not going to happen easily. There's going to be probably a lot of violence until then. And also, like, you know, it's just something that, you know, in my own experience, because, like, I was in BBYO, I was in, like, I went to a Jewish youth group, I also went to a Jewish day camp, like, growing up, like, we had Israel Day, mm -hmm. like, as one of, like, the, the day, we had a, a Maccabi Day, mm -hmm. like, we had a lot of, like, we, we just had a lot of events and education that, you know, celebrated Israel, like, that was just how myself and many other American Jews were taught to believe in Israel and associate our Jewish identity with Israel. We were never taught to question it. We were never yeah. taught anything about Palestine or the occupation or anything. I didn't, I didn't know anything about Palestine or the occupation until like my sophomore year of college. Yeah. Even when I went on birthright when I was 18, we talked about the, the conflict maybe one night of the 10 day trip. And I still was a fucking 18 year old that wanted to party. And I had, no sense of what was going on. Like, I... Like, the thing is, is, like... Israel's really... Like, Israel and Palestine is a very touchy and difficult uh, conversation to have, and it's one that happens very widely within the Jewish community. And... And the thing is, and this is an important... This is a hard pill to swallow for people, is that even though us Jews are a minority, a lot of us Jews, like, have benefited from white privilege because yeah. a lot of us Jews are white passing. Mm -hmm. There are Jews of color. There's Jews of, you know, all different, you know, skin colors and, you know, country of origins, whatever. Yeah. But Jews like us, you know, yeah. we benefit from white privilege. And that is an important thing to consider, like, in our own activism is yeah. that, like, you know, I mean, they, they people like to stereotype that Jews have a certain look, but... <laughs> But, like, you can't necessarily just see our Judaism, like, just from and looking I don't, at And us. I don't think people, so it's funny, because, yeah, we're, we're, like I mentioned, we are just on vacation, like, and I was joking with my mom, I was like, I can tell, like, who, like, 
who's Jewish, like, and, and like, we'd walk by, like, a, a family or something, and I'd be like, like, I would get, but, like, I don't, uh, no one else can notice it, and I only notice it because, like, of the immense amount of time, yeah. but no, we don't have a specific one right. look, and, like, even all of our ancestry stories are different in ter- I mean, in terms of right. like Russia or Germany and, but yeah, we, we definitely, I think it's so important, but also like hard to operate in this space that like we're kind of in the middle. Like we do face things uh, like, you know, I won't face an issue if they don't know I'm Jewish. And like, you know, I, my last name is Goldstein. And so like, yeah. once someone knows my name, right. like, okay, I'm kind of outed. And, yeah. like, or like, and like, I have had people who like, you know, I notice like like once they find out I'm Jewish, they're like, or they're like, oh, you're Jewish? Like you don't look Jewish, or like, or they'll be like, oh, I can tell you're Jewish. Like you look really Jewish. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, like I mean, I'm tiny. And yeah, like I'm gonna right. be like a tiny Jewish grandma, but like it's like if my name, then. yeah, it's like if my name was like Ross Cohen. Yeah. Like I like, I mean, that's a very common, too common, like a Jewish first name and surname. But, but you're like a ginger. Right, but so no like one, people, people don't think I'm Jewish, like they don't know I'm Jewish until I say something about it. Yeah, my Judar wouldn't go off for you, right. sorry. Oh, that's okay, <laughs> you know, but I mean, I guess like, I mean, Ben is a pretty Jewish yeah. name, but like, yeah, so I guess, so in your own experience, like, especially with like in Milwaukee, as you know, you have um, expanded your social justice in many different avenues, like how, ha- like, have you felt like, you know, I guess how has your experience been like infiltrating a, like a space like um, of intersectionality like as a Jew like through the avenue of like Jewish activism. So I think it's really interesting because I feel like I operate in a very different space when I'm like within the Milwaukee Jewish community because like everyone's Jewish and then like different things make you unique and so yeah. like that's when like I, part of other parts of my identity um like the fa- well um like the fact that i'm lgbtq and um and you're a woman and i'm a woman and like other like other parts of intersectionality like things that besides my judaism are kind of what comes to forefront but when i'm in other spaces um so like one space that i operate in is obviously the queer and allied faith leaders group like mm-hmm. it's just like jewish everything and like that that's like the the key thing um, but I would, I, I like really want us, and like there's already great Jewish leaders like working on this, and so like I don't want it to sound like like this isn't happening. But like personally, I'd like to get more involved with having Jews working with communities of color, and um, and like for me, immigration is something that like I am ridiculously passionate about because my grandmother is actually a Holocaust survivor, um, so she her. My great-grandparents, her parents, uh, escaped Germany. Um, a lot of German Jews actually fared far better um, because they kind of saw how bad it was, and so they got they were able to, well, for some of them, they were able to get up and leave. Yes. So I have family escaped to many different places, um, including Argentina, South Africa, Israel, um, um, Australia, and Britain. But my grandmother, she was born in a ghetto in Shanghai. And so she lived in that ghetto until she was eight years old. Um, and the reason they went there was because the United States was not allowing immigrants, despite the fact that obviously Hitler was like engaging in mass murder and genocide. And so, um, and so then eventually they were finally allowed to come over. Um, and she, um, so she now lives in Denver. Um, and so, you know, I think like when I think to that, like if my family hadn't been like allowed into Shanghai then I don't know what would have happened. And then my grandfather's side, his family escaped from Russia in the, um, during the pogroms, which were a couple years earlier in the 20s, and they came in through Ellis Island. And so if my family was not allowed to escape or did not have the opportunity to escape, like I would most likely not be here. Mm-hmm. And so, and like, and obviously the situations that people are escaping are different, but they're like, honestly terrible and like there are issues that the United States has had a hand in causing and um, so it just I don't know it's just like that's something that I'd love to see more of like us working with more because like the Jewish community here like it's small but like I don't know we have resources we're very connected with each other and there's a lot of Milwaukee here that like doesn't is not connected is not being served and um, so I'd love to be able to like use my position and like have my organization and or even volunteer through other avenues to just 
connects the Jewish community with these other marginalized mm -hmm. groups because I think, especially for me as a Jew, like Tikkun Olam, um, you know, repairing the world, that is where my like social justice, um, like like power comes from, mm -hmm. and I think. I don't know. I love Milwaukee, but we have so many issues, and so I would love to see the um, to have the Jewish community be even more involved. Yeah. Um, like obviously, we have our own stuff that we have to do, <laughs> do and yeah. uh, our own issues that we have to deal with. But I think we all grow stronger as we support each other, and yeah. so especially this immigration issue right now is just so important to me because. Um, and like obviously there's all this controversy about that with, um, you know, referring to the camps as concentration camps yeah. or whatever, and I, I won't, I mean, we can get into it or not, but I think just at the surface, like, these people are clearly escaping t terrible situations and knowing that they probably, they might not be left let in, and I'm sure there's rumors going around that like, oh my god, we are being like stuck and we don't have showers and we don't yeah. have toothpaste it's like they're, they're they don't want to come here and when my grandma went to shanghai in the ghetto the ghetto was not nice obviously yeah. it's called a ghetto for a reason and um so like just having that extra like not that we're going to be able to fix everything but like having that extra empathy because like and we're all immigrants <coughs> this is a land of immigrants yeah. and but jews especially i think for most of us, we have a more immediate A moral story. obligation. Yeah, and we have a more yeah. immediate um, experience with it that like just a few generations ago, like most of us, our family came over on ships yeah. or somehow and we were let in. And so we need to yeah. continue to do the same. Are you going to the Jews Against ICE protest? Tentatively. I, it will all depend on what time I'm going to see Cage the Elephant, Spoon, oh, and wow. Beck in Chicago. Oh my god, that'll, that's a stacked lineup. We'll yeah. talk about that. Yeah, but so I'm going to that on Wednesday night. So it will all depend on how late that sure. show goes and yeah. if I'm going to... But I, I, I want to be there. Um, because yeah. I have, again, I have, the, I went to the first, the first march, um, a couple week at, weeks ago mm -hmm. that was at, um, City Hall, but I, I mean, I want to show up and I want to show solidarity and mm -hmm. like, you know, these people showed up when, after the Pittsburgh, um, synagogue shooting art, we had, I think it was like over a thousand people were yeah. in Congregation Beth Israel and, um, it, it was so emotional for me to have so many people there in support, and so I just want to keep, keep showing up as much yeah. as I can. Yeah. And so I'm going to do everything in my effort nice. to be there, but for I also sure. don't want to like drive on little. Time. That's okay. Well, <laughs> if you do, if you do make it, I will see you there. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I, I'm a firm believer that like we can't ask others to stand up for our plight and our issues and like you know embrace our like the Jewish struggle if we're not going to stand up for them, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the whole point of intersectionality. It's like, if, why should anyone care about our rights and our issues and like, you know, stand with us if we're not going to stand for them? Mm -hmm. And that's a huge problem I have with especially people that are so like political about Israel and like are politically Zionist telling people that, oh, like, you better be a Zionist or else you're an anti-Semite. Mm -hmm. Like, I have such an I have such an issue with a lot of people like that are like con conservatives that do that when they're not standing for anyone else's rights, mm -hmm. when they're you know disavowing Black Lives Matter, when they're you know ignoring struggles of you know trans people, when they're you know trying when they're justifying what's happening at the border right now. It's disgusting. Um, frankly, what, like, I don't believe that, like, we have the right to tell anyone, like, how they need to feel about Jews or about Israel or about Zionism or any of that, like, unless we stand for others mm -hmm. that are being, that have been marginalized through history. And, it, and that goes for every single group. Like, yeah. I mean, I've seen people that are part of other marginalized communities that don't care about anti-Semitism. Mm -hmm. Or they ignore its struggle, and it's like that's on them to get it's better about that. Mind. Yeah, it's like they need to. They clearly have to educate themselves. I mean, like I've seen prominent leaders that are openly embraced in like other marginalized communities, such as uh, Sean King, you know, the leader of Black Lives Matter. Like, I mean, he does great work, and like he's clearly like he's a very powerful leader. But I've seen, but there's been demonstrations of him not 
caring about anti-Semitism. Like, I've seen things he's tweeted that where he's just, you know, claiming that, like, you know, Jews need to do better here and there. And, like, it's not a play... Like, I just feel like it's counter it's counterproductive to be, you know, to be minimizing the plight of a group that you're not a part of mm-hmm. when you're fighting for your own... When you're fighting for your own cause. Yeah, I think I have an issue with like oppression Olympics of like. Yes, I do too. Yeah. Um, I have a question for you. So something that's been on my mind is so now with like all you know the synagogue shootings and just having um, you know more hate crimes happening, we have increased uh, police presence both at our building and all the synagogues and our programming and something that like you know most of them are plainclothes officers and or retired police officers, but. Something that, like, I just am struggling with is the fact, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you know, and police violence that's specifically targeted at black and brown people. Like, how do we make it, especially for Jews of color, because they they operate in both those spaces. Like, how do we, like, obviously I recognize the importance, like, I mean, mean, it's, like, scary that we have a police officer, but it's also, like, okay, good, like, if someone were to come with, like, a bomb or something or a gun, um, God forbid, and so it's, like, but then also I'm not a person of color. I've, I've literally never been pulled over in my life. I definitely speed and like I know this is all because I'm a white woman yeah and um, and so like I don't know what it feels like to walk into a room and see a police officer and have your gut drop because you know that if something happens like you're gonna be the one who's looked at and so I'm just like I don't know if you have opinions on her or like it's just something that mm-hmm. I I don't have a fully formed yeah. like opinion on I just know that it it like there's like, I want to find a good middle way solution. Yeah. I don't know what that is to make our spaces welcoming to black and brown people um, and not just white Jews or yeah. not just white people in general. And how, but also keeping our community safe. Yeah. Um, that is a good question. And I don't know if I have a fully formed answer yeah. either. Um, I think that I have like an overarching answer. But it's not going to fix the immediate yeah. problem, and that's that we just need more, I think, just more awareness and education about both Jewish issues and black and brown issues. Um, you know, I, I think that, because, like, a lot of these shooters are, you know, like, you, you when, when whenever a shooting happens or, like, an act of violence against a community, I always read up on, like, you know, who, who, like, who was this person that committed this crime? Like, were they espousing hateful beliefs, like, openly? Mm -hmm. Like, was this something that, you know, they, like, were they talking about doing this? That kind of stuff. Um, I always try to read up on that kind of stuff because I think if we can identify, like, red flags in, Mm -hmm. in somebody, if, like, someone is openly espousing hate against Jews, against Mm -hmm black and brown folks against, you know, immigrants, against um, people of the LGBTQ plus community, you know, people of women, even. Yeah. like, like literally any, yeah, any, if someone s- hates women, it's a pretty good sign that any group <laughs> like, might be, have other issues. Yeah. Well, like any group, like if someone is openly like speaking, like espousing hateful rhetoric about these people, I think it's up to, this is where like, you know, people really need to like, you know, we need to not, we need to take it seriously. Well, like, I think that we need to spread the conversation of like, well, why do people hold these beliefs? Like what, like, I guess what has enticed them to have these beliefs and, and feel inclined to act on them? Because, you know, and this is, and this is, I think a big part of this is who's being given platforms to speak mm-hmm. on such public formats, you and, know? And what is becoming normalized. Yeah. Like, like, what is okay to say. Right. And like, what's, what is outright hate speech? Yeah. And what... the line between free speech and... Exactly. ...your danger to the community. Yeah. I think that that's a big piece of the, the puzzle, is, like, figuring... Is that, like, we need to have, like, a bold conversation about, like, well, if someone is, is espousing hate speech, then... Like, this needs to be taken seriously. Like, action needs to be done by the community. People need to, like, be, like, you know, watching, like, every move this person makes 
because if they, you know, if we're complacent in, in how we respond to hateful rhetoric, then, you know, we don't know what that person is capable of. Mm -hmm. And, and when it comes to the issue of like, you know, security and, and, you know, um, and like police officers, like in synagogues, like this is just me personally speaking. And I guess this might just be because of just my general fear of like violence and, and things happening, like putting us in danger in general. This might just be me personally, but I wouldn't feel any safer if police were there. Um, I know that police are technically there to, like, keep people safe and protect, mm -hmm. like, the public, but, I mean, me personally, like, I'm not, I'm not, obviously I'm white, I'm, mm -hmm. a, I'm not a person of color, but I personally wouldn't feel safe, um, because, and that's just, I guess, that could just come from my general distrust of people, <laughs> I don't know, but, like, I think that the like, you know, it's not necessarily going to... I think, for one, gun control is yeah. a huge part of this. I was going to say, this. a good guy with a gun does not necessarily be... Able no, it doesn't make like, me feel any more like safe. Like, if a guy comes in with an AK-47, like, a police officer with whatever shotgun, like, you know, obviously he's well-trained, but, like... But so like, could that gunman. That gunman exactly. could be very well-trained so on I'm a gun. So just like, just stop having those, those guns. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that gun control is a big part of this conversation. That would help it so that, you know, maybe instead of talking about, well, we need cops there that are going to mm -hmm. keep our community safe, why don't we talk about, well, I mean, yeah, and yes, like, there needs to be intense, like, you know, there needs to be intense reform when it comes to, you know, police and how they're militarized and whatnot, but... On the other hand, it just the fact that this person was able to get a gun in general. I think that if that person was not able to acquire a firearm so easily, then they would not be able to cause such large-scale harm and endangerment of the community. Um, and you know, and I used to not think that gun control like was like the end-all, be-all answer. I used to think that. I used to be in the mindset that like, oh well, this person's gonna get find a way to get a gun one way or another. But and they not be able to get a gun, but make, like, why do they need that like a military gun? Particular, that is, like, yeah. Automatically reloading, yeah. and it's meant for war. I don't, but yeah, exactly. Like no civilian, not even a police officer, like no one that is outside of the military should has any business no. having possession of a firearm like that. I think, like, you know. We could we could talk all day about like we could go oh, back to hardcore wrestling for yeah we could we, we we could just talk yeah all the guns. we could talk all day about like man I just wish there weren't like guns and that yeah. I wish guns weren't like you know made in general I wish there wasn't a military I wish there wasn't war I wish there was just world peace I wish we could talk all day about like well I wish that hypothetically none of this was even a conversation to begin with but. That's not our reality. It's like talking about capitalism. Like we can't undo what's been what's our socioeconomic slash political model for, you know, it, it's, we're so deep in that rabbit hole that we can't just, it's not a simple matter of- other solutions. Yeah, it's not just a simple matter of undoing or abolishing something because we need to be pragmatic and say, well, what are things we can do on the ground that are going to help the immediate situation? And I think the answer to that is we need a, string, a stricter, we need a far stricter um, uh, um, way of going about people uh, acquiring firearms. Um, and also, the community needs to act and take these things seriously when, like, before it happens, like, if someone in your community is saying neo-Nazi or white supremacist rhetoric, on social media, or if they're, you know, holding up a swastika, like that guy did at UWM like two months ago. If, if stuff like that is going on, we have to fucking act. And I say that like, wholeheartedly, like, you can't just act like, oh, just ignore it. Just, you know, don't, they're not going to do anything, they're, they're just an edgelord. No. Fuck that. Fuck and fuck that mindset because ignoring those ignoring a hate sign ignoring hate speech 
just dismissing something like that is what is going to get people killed. But how do you see us streamlining that under the current administration? Because under the current and administration, that's where and that's another part of it is because they're going to Trump is a, and Trump and his rhetoric and how he has spoken about people that disagree with him, how he has enacted policies that have he's fueled a lot of these people to get platforms, to get away with things, to he's basically he's an inspirational figure in a lot of these hateful, bigoted, or otherwise just, you know, unstable people that think that, you know, oh, that, like, you know, this is what he, this is what he's saying, he's right, I'm gonna go, you know, do God's work and, you know, and attack these people because I don't think they should be in this country. Well, I, I mean, I'm just saying I agree with you, but I'm also nervous that, like, if we start targeting people online, like, people who are, like, Black Lives Matter activists or, like, Antifa or, you know, no matter if, like, like, those people are also be targeted as, like, oh, well, God, we have to watch out, this person might commit a mass murder, not just the people who are neo I mean... I, I, that's just my fear. Like, I don't think that... I don't think that that's... I mean, that's not the goal or the mission statement of a group like Antifa or Black Lives yeah. Matter. It's like, their goals are to stand up for social justice and yeah. to... which I agree with, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, from, I mean, I'm, from like, the opinion of, like, a Trump administration, like, they're going to be like, oh, well, like, these people who used to be, who are, like, somewhat part of the KKK or, like, they're basically, if they are a white supremacist group but they're under a different name, like, then they could be also be like, well, Black Lives Matter, they're also a tor Like, I've seen rhetoric about being like, Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. I have, and, and so, I, as have I, I've seen so that too. And so, I just, I just, like, that's why I just get worried about, like, you know, like... Well, and this is where people like to throw the term alt-left around. There's, there's no way to justify equating people that are anti-fascists... Yeah. With people or that like are alt right even racists. Anti capitalists. Yeah. yeah. With people they're, who are racist and want genocide of certain groups of people. Yeah. yeah. There like there's no equation there. I think he, Seth Rogan tweeted like how the fuck like why the fuck are we comparing these two people? Like he yeah. said that after the Unite the Right rally. Yeah. Um and I agree, like people like and I have my own thoughts about Antifa, like yeah. I don't agree with I mean I just don't agree with violence in general. Like even if it is attacking, you know, somebody who's hateful, like I, I don't believe that personally like gets us anywhere necessarily. But, you know, that in no way puts them in the same boat as people that are calling for ethnic cleansing or white supremacy. Like Antifa's just saying, Well, those people don't deserve to fucking speak, so we're gonna punch yeah. them in the face. Like and it's like, you know, I'm not gonna like jump on the front lines of that, but I'm also gonna say, okay, do your thing, you know. Like I'm just gonna, you know, I like I, I support the principle, but you know, I I'm not gonna do it myself, you know. I, I guess like so. I don't know, does that answer your question? I I, was, I didn't expect you to have a fault. Yeah, answer. I mean, I guess it just was something that was on my mind. I guess it's like you're 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 worried about intersection. Yeah, you're worried about like the lines being blurred and like what's going to mean, like you know, like I guess like what something like I I think that it's more of just not necessarily like at a large scale like Trump administration level. I would say yeah, just, like at the ACLU or something. You know, like yeah. someone like had it in their power to monitor these type of things and keep. But like, yeah, I don't trust the, the Trump administration to be in part of that right. because I don't think that their qualifications for what is hate speech or what it could potentially be violent is what I would want there. I would say so it's like, how do you yeah. find that like neutral party? But it's not neutral because it's all political. Yeah. And obviously one camp has had acts of violence that yeah. the other camp has. Well, I would speak local. I'm speaking yeah. locally yeah. is what we would do. Like I can't like, like speak. Like local task force. Yeah. Like just mm -hmm. local, like people that know this person mm -hmm. in their community or see like, like an anonymous tip line almost yeah. be like hey like i'm not saying that this person is going to shoot something up but he has been tweeting and posting pictures yeah. about x y and z and i see and i do see like a lot of people in the milwaukee community that openly like call out hateful people mm -hmm. like that are saying horrible shit about yeah, it's like, don't and, let that slide. Yeah, and it's like, and rightfully so, like, these people, this, we have to be aware of people like that, you know? I, like, 
if someone is a danger, then the community needs to know about it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. But that'll be a whole nother episode. Yeah. What, what we're going to do about <laughs> the Trump administration. And shit. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, wow, I'm tall. <laughs> I'm also very short. So, yeah. Um, well, Anna, um, thank you for joining me to talk about anti-Semitism and uh, intersectionality. Um, had a great time, didn't you? I had a great, really great time. Good. We could have kept talking for hours. Yes, we could have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, um, we always can uh, grab a coffee yes. and uh, ex expand it. So, uh, Anna, uh, to close out, uh, what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Oh, God, a lot of things. Right now it's climate change. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. Climate like, grief. I'm like, I'm yeah. like... Oh man, and like I know I'm not helping it at all, and I'm like I just threw away plastic, and it's like, what can, more yeah. can I do? But just gotta keep living life and doing the best I can. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's something that all of us are going to contribute to, no matter what we do. It's just a matter of reducing it, I think. Yeah. So even if you accidentally throw out some plastic, like just think like, well, I won't do that next time. I'm you know. keep doing better. Good, there you go. <laughs> Same here, though. Uh, what puts you to sleep? Huh? Oh, I, what? I said, what puts you to oh, sleep? Oh, what puts me to sleep? I thought we were saying goodbye. What <laughs> puts me to sleep? Um, I, I meditate sometimes. You meditate? Yes, I, look, okay. I put on Headspace, and oh, yeah. they soothingly talk to me, because I, I usually have a lot of things going then on Then just bring it, bring it back to yeah, the... Yeah, you usually yeah. have some weird accent, yeah. which honestly is better, because yeah. like, then I won't focus too much, because I'm like, that just guy... Just bring it back to the present moment. And, and he makes me feel good, yeah. even if I start thinking about something else. He's like, it's okay. Right. So, yeah. meditation, yeah, yeah, just getting out of my mind. <laughs> I used to use Headspace a little bit. I haven't used it in a while. Maybe I should revisit it. But. Yeah. It's good to do every once in a while. Yeah, good. Well, thank you all for being right. on the show. Yeah. Had Thanks, a great ben. time. Yep. Well, uh, check out all the wonderful work that uh, Milwaukee Jewish Federation is doing in the city. I'll be posting links to the initiatives that Anna spoke on. And thank you for watching Mr. Nice Guy. Thanks. We'll see you next time. <laughs>